What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Let's kick this thing off. Cynthia Lummis is a United States senator from Wyoming. She's the first senator in history to own Bitcoin and has become a strong advocate for the digital currency. In this conversation, we discuss her passion for Bitcoin, how to educate congressmen and senators, the geopolitical landscape, the government sentiment on Bitcoin and CBDCs, and what people at home can do to help. I really enjoyed this conversation with the senator, and I hope you do as well. Before we get into this episode, though, I want to quickly talk about our sponsors. First up is BlockFi. BlockFi provides financial products for crypto investors. I'm an investor in the company, I sit on the board, and I'm a very happy customer. I think you will be too. The products include high-yield interest accounts, US dollar loans against your crypto collateral, and an exchange that has no fees for trading. To start earning today, you can visit BlockFi.com slash POMP. That high-yield interest account pays up to 8.6% APY in an interest-bearing account. It's a pretty high rate. They also are coming out with a credit card that pays you rewards in Bitcoin rather than airline miles or cash back. So go to BlockFi.com slash POMP and you can sign up for an account today. BlockFi.com slash POMP. Next up is Choice. It's a self-directed IRA product that I'm really excited about. If you're listening to this, you are likely part of the 7.1 million Bitcoin owners who have retirement accounts with dollars in them, but not Bitcoin. I used to be in that situation too, but now you can actually buy real Bitcoin in your retirement account. I'm talking about owning your private keys and using tax advantage dollars to do it too. It's an absolute game changer. Head on over to retirewithchoice.com slash pomp. Again, a self-directed IRA product that allows you to buy Bitcoin in your retirement account and hold the private keys. It's pretty, pretty cool. Retirewithchoice.com slash pomp. Again, retirewithchoice.com slash pomp. Lastly, the Rodman Law Group. I've been investing in companies for a long time now, and I know that every company needs a great lawyer. What you need is you need to find a lawyer who not only understands the law, but also understands the industry in which you're operating. The Rodman Law Group has been at the forefront of a lot of things. I've got an episode coming out with Dave Rodman himself shortly, and in it, we talk all kinds of things around decentralization and the intersection with law. He really knows his stuff, and I think that if you need legal help, you should go check out the Rodman Law Group. Again, you can go to therodmanlawgroup.com slash pomp. If you go there, you'll not only get legal expertise, but it will also be combined with an understanding of blockchain technology that makes them the ideal legal service provider for the industry. If you go to the rodmanlawgroup.com slash pomp, you'll get a discount on their services. Again, the rodmanlawgroup.com slash pomp. If you need help in the blockchain, crypto, or Bitcoin space, head on over to the rodmanlawgroup.com slash pomp. All right, let's get into this episode with Senator. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Anthony Pompliano is a partner at Morgan Creek Digital. All opinions expressed by Pomp or his guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Morgan Creek Digital or Morgan Creek Capital Management. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, guys. Bang, bang. I have Senator Lummis here with us. Thank you so much for doing this, man. My pleasure, Anthony. It's great to be with you today. 
For sure. For those that don't know you, maybe let's just start with your background um, before you became a senator. Uh, kind of where did you grow up and, and what did you do? Well, I'm a ranch girl from Wyoming. I was born near Cheyenne and ranch there to this day with my brother and my sister. Uh, I also have a farm over on the western side of the state. We um, have hay and cattle. And then in the fall, we take in a lot of horses that are coming in off the pack strings that are on the Bridger Teton National Forest in the summer. Uh, so my background is primarily ranching, but I also have a law degree. I practiced law for nine years and and have spent a lot of time uh, in and out of politics. I was in our state legislature, worked for our governor in Wyoming, was state treasurer in the U.S. House, and now I'm in the U.S. Senate. Doing a fantastic job. Um, you've got a passion for Bitcoin. Where did that come from? When did you first come across Bitcoin and where does that passion really kind of uh, come from? I was state treasurer in Wyoming during the first part of the 21st century. So I was always looking for a store of value. Uh, we have in Wyoming permanent funds that are based on extracting minerals and oil and gas from the ground, we take a severance tax, it's called, from minerals, uh, and invest it in a permanent fund. And the concept of that permanent mineral trust fund is that when the minerals are gone, uh, we will still have revenue left over because we invested the proceeds and continue to invest them in a diversified asset allocation. So while we're taking something valuable from the ground and converting it to cash, I wanted to convert the cash into things that produced income uh, for the short term, but also produced long-term value, just like those minerals did when they were in the ground. So I was always looking for things that had were a good store of value. The more I learned about Bitcoin, uh, the more the uh, nomenclature of Bitcoin reminded me of our permanent mineral trust fund. Uh, Bitcoin is essentially mined. Uh, there will only be 21 million Bitcoin mined. Uh, and because it is a finite resource, uh, I see it as a very good store of value. So I bought a few Bitcoin uh, in 2013 and 2014 and have continued to pay attention to it ever since. And of course, we've seen it, of course, be volatile going up and down. But uh, um, I still think it is an excellent store of value and that it should be part of every individual person's uh, investment portfolio. Now, if you look at your average uh, blue collar worker, um, the guy or gal that's out there laying bricks or building the apartment across the street from these Senate office buildings. Um, the, if they invest just in the U.S. dollar, the dollar is designed uh, to be worth less every year. And so if they're saving now, let's say they're in their 20s or 30s now, when they get my age, that money that they have worked so hard all their lives to save, it's a, if it's denominated in U.S. dollars, is not going to buy as much as it does now. So trying to help people find things that will capture the value, capture the value of their hard work now 
and make it available to them in the future when they're my age, when people start to retire. Um, that's something that, uh, that makes me excited about being back in the US Senate. Uh, I was always a fiscal hawk when I was here before. And um, I am watching us rack up debt uh, to the tune of now 27 trillion. We're talking about another 2 trillion here uh, with uh, the new administration. Um, the money uh, is going to buy less and less over time. So looking at things that everyday Americans, the person who works at Walmart, uh, the rancher uh, across the fence from me, um, the, the, those people, the teachers, uh, the firefighters, the Capitol policemen around here who did such a good job here uh, this month, um, I want to help them find things that will store value so when they get my age and they start retiring, it's actually worth something. Yeah. Do you think that we're headed towards a situation where eventually every state, whether it's the permanent fund in Wyoming or, or other funds that they have, um, will have to look at this as well? Um, I know that we've got kind of individuals, we've got some financial institutions now, uh, a couple of corporations, but we haven't seen lots of movement either at the state, local, or federal level uh, in government. Do you think that'll change over time, or do you think it's more so this asset will be something for individuals and corporations, but not necessarily government entities? I hope it will be for all of the above as part of a fully diversified asset allocation. So, uh, for example, uh, if you are um, a postal worker, I believe that the postal workers' retirement funds should be uh, have the opportunity to invest in Bitcoin. Uh, not Bitcoin exclusively, but Bitcoin as a wide ver variety and array of assets. I think that should be true of permanent mineral trust funds like Wyoming has, New Mexico has, Alaska has. Uh, and, uh, and other government funds uh, that are trying to find a slice of their investments to store value. Now, if you want assets that are throwing off income, you know, maybe you want to go to the um, S&P 500, some spiders, uh, some large cap growth uh, strategies. But if you, if you want to store value for the long term, sort of as uh, to protect yourself from inflation, uh, that's where I think that Bitcoin plays an important role now. And someday its role may expand, but uh, for this day and age, I really see it as a great store of value for individuals, for corporations, and for government. Yeah, that's great. Um, about a year and a half ago, I went and I met with uh, a number of offices uh, in the House. And uh, at the time, I think my takeaway really was just there hadn't been a lot of education of uh, elected officials when it came to Bitcoin, um, the pros and the cons, the technology, kind of the impact that something like this could have uh, across society and, and kind of the American economy. Uh, with you kind of uh, sitting now within a elected role, how do you think about educating your colleagues and, and kind of spending time talking to them and, and getting them up to speed without just being, you know, oh, she's the one who's always kind of uh, talking about Bitcoin and therefore they kind of tune you out. Like, how, how do you just think about the education that you can do uh, now that you're actually in the room as a colleague rather than somebody on the outside? Well, that's a great question, Anthony. And I, I want to reach out to uh, the people who are listening to your podcast to help with this. We're forming a financial innovations caucus in the Senate. We hope to use it as a springboard 
uh, to educate uh, members of the US Senate and their staff about uh, Bitcoin specifically, but about other uh, opportunities for cryptocurrencies and uh, uh, financial innovation and blockchain, uses of blockchain. Um, and so um, I, I'm interested in knowing how the people who are listening to your podcast uh, would expose members of the U.S. Senate to that kind of information. What is pithy? What works? What worked with them? What resonates with your listeners uh, that I can use uh, to help uh, educate and inform uh, the people that I work with uh, about financial innovation? Um, so to the extent that anybody's interested, I'm at um, at SEN Lummis. Senator Lummis, maybe let's talk a little bit about kind of the sentiment among your colleagues uh, when it comes to Bitcoin uh, and or central bank digital currencies, right? There's a lot of talk about Bitcoin, uh, usually tied to kind of price. And I think sentiment falls price a little bit, but there's also a lot of talk about central bank digital currencies um, and even potentially digitizing the dollar. Uh, how have you seen the sentiment and kind of what are people talking about uh, within Congress and the Senate uh, when it comes to uh, these two types of uh, kind of financial innovations? Well, I think one of the first things that we're going to be working on is fighting a narrative about digital assets and crypto being used for money laundering, uh, because that is, a, you know, game stopper right from the beginning. Uh, so now what we know is, according to chain analysis, um, cryptocurrency related crime is smaller than criminal activity with cash. Uh, and crypto regulations need to leave room for innovation. So among the things we're going to want to do while we're uh, informing people is to make sure that we have the opportunity to innovate. And that includes uh, in the area of things like stablecoin. Um, for example, um, Facebook, I think, has stablecoin uh, in a pilot in Switzerland or something. Uh, and the Federal Reserve is looking to create its own digital currency. Uh, so we'll want to be visiting with the Federal Reserve uh, about what their plans are, how they want to roll it out, what we can do to help uh, them innovate. Uh, and um, the, the innovation in this area could help companies through faster transactions uh, than typical wire transfers. For example, it takes a long time. Uh, to clear a uh, wire transfer when you're sending money internationally. And so we want to uh, have the opportunity to use um, advanced financial technologies uh, to make those kinds of opportunities more available uh, so commerce can be more robust than it is today. Uh, I visited with uh, Janet Yellen, the new Treasury Secretary, on the phone the other day uh, before her confirmation hearing. And she, um, uh, this is an area where I think that she has an open mind. She's, she has some of the same concerns that most do in financial technology. They are concerned about uh, criminal or nefarious use of, of uh, cryptocurrency. So it's going to take a lot of work uh, to get to where we can um, uh, have an open dialogue that is uh, free from the clutter of seeing this uh, knee-jerk reaction to the concern that, that uh, all crypto is subject to uh, criminal activity uh, to a very large degree. 
Um, now there's some areas where uh, we've been working with, uh, we were working prior to the transition to the Biden administration uh, with Secretary Mnuchin uh, about the Bank Secrecy Act and about the digital asset rule. And um, I was happy that they were uh, willing to extend the comment period for that. Uh, and now that the Biden administration uh, is in place, uh, rulemaking has been frozen indefinitely. So uh, that should give us more time uh, to comment and help them understand uh, how to make it more consistent with existing law, uh, how to make sure that we're not talking about knowing your customer's customer uh, and pushing them too far out uh, on the spectrum to uh, to make it reasonable. Um, this is a complex rule. I don't even understand it all. That's why I have great advisors around me. Uh, and I'm looking forward to working with Treasury and with state and federal financial regulators and with industry uh, to ensure the rules uh, recognize the critical role of innovation, including digital assets and uh, America's financial future is going to be very much tied to this. I, we're seeing China get way ahead of us in this area uh, and lots of other areas, Anthony, that, that we need to uh, make sure that we can uh, dominate and be uh, effective in the way that we innovate, but at the same time, uh, guard against uh, financial innovation uh, being used by the Chinese Communist Party. So uh, I think it's really important uh, that the United States uh, not take too long on the education piece, that we get it, we learn it, and then we move forward. Uh, because uh, uh, this is an area where um, some of our uh, competing countries around the world in, in the financial arena are going to uh, um, struggle. So I think what's really interesting about what you're talking about here is like, one, uh, I think most people who don't understand this, oh, cryptocurrencies, it has this um, kind of, uh, you know, place psychologically in people's minds that uh, nefarious people use it, right? As we know with other technologies, whether it was beepers, cell phones, internet, et cetera, uh, people who are doing bad things or nefarious things always adopt these technologies first. That doesn't make the technology bad. That just means that we should tell the bad people not to do bad things with it. Um, so I think you're right there. Um, the other thing that seems to be coming up more and more, and you alluded to this a little bit, is um, there's this balance between uh, global competition, right? If all of a sudden uh, another country was to adopt some of these financial innovations and able to uh, harness them in a way that would give them a significant advantage on that global stage stage, uh, that wouldn't be great for the United States. Uh, but the balance to that or, or kind of the counter uh, is that, oh, well, the United States may see some of these technologies as a threat to themselves. And therefore, um, there are people calling for banning, uh, whether it's cryptocurrencies or other technologies. It sounds like you're kind of in the camp of, look, if the technology is going to be out there, we need to be embracing it rather than fighting it. You know, first is that kind of an accurate depiction of your position? And two, just how do you think about that geopolitical landscape and, and kind of how it's playing out, uh, given many of these other countries are uh, making a big push to adopt some of these technologies? Yeah, that is an accurate depiction uh, of my position. I'm, I want to be very robust in this area. I want the United States to be a leader. Uh, in my home state of Wyoming, uh, we have the most innovative laws in the country 
on uh, blockchain and uh, cryptocurrency technology. We even put in place uh, a chancery court uh, through which litigation involving the new laws uh, could be handled. And um, I, I think that just like Delaware did in the case of uh, corporate formations, uh, there's a, a, a court that is uh, very, that has great expertise uh, and that is readily available. And we wanted to make that the case in Wyoming too. So we could be the innovators in uh, American law uh, at the uh, at the state level, uh, that we be the innovators and and let's let the incubators of good ideas go ahead and incubate those good ideas. And states are among those in government. In the private sector, it tends to be uh, actual business incubators and 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 business startups and formations. In government, it tends to be the states. Uh, so we wanted to make sure that Wyoming was a leader in that regard. Um, and uh, we want to continue to be a leader in that regard. Uh, so part of the reason that I got into this is because I was state treasurer. Uh, part of the reason I got into this is because uh, my son-in-law and his friends are, are very knowledgeable uh, about Bitcoin. Uh, and then the final reason was watching Wyoming become a great innovator at the state level uh, in, uh, in Bitcoin law. Um, the nation can be that. Uh, we're, we're a little bit behind right now, uh, behind other countries, uh, but we need to be part of that. You know, um, Anthony, I did a little bit of consulting for the World Bank on sovereign wealth funds after I was state treasurer. Uh, and we have seen other countries create sovereign wealth funds like Vietnam. They have a fabulous textile industry. Uh, countries that, you, that would surprise you. Uh, have savings accounts or sovereign wealth funds. Uh, those would be uh, great uh, uh, places uh, to capture and innovate in the area of financial technology. The Abu Dhabi Investment Authority, Norges Bank in Norway. Norway has a tremendous offshore oil and gas resource that they invest uh, for their uh, the benefit of Norwegians. Uh, they would be a logical country to innovate in this area. So uh, some very unlikely uh, uh, bedfellows uh, may be able to innovate in this area, all for the good uh, of uh, the people that, they're, that they serve. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, you mentioned earlier, uh, kind of every institution having uh, exposure, not necessarily converting all of their portfolio or their uh, currency to Bitcoin, but having it as a piece. Um, one of the institutions that I think people are very interested in uh, is central banks, right? It looks like already, uh, obviously, the individuals, uh, the corporations, the financial institutions um, are starting to get exposure, but we haven't really seen uh, anywhere in the world uh, a central bank uh, make that decision. Maybe not so much like which one do you think is first at a timeline, but more so what do you think is the actual steps to doing that, right? Is that something where um, that decision, let's say in the United States, would get made by um, the uh, chairman of the Federal Reserve and, and the Treasury Secretary? Do you think that's more of a democratic process? Just what's the path to that happening uh, here in the United States? Well, that's a great question, and we want to meet with uh, the Federal Reserve about that specifically, because we do think 
uh, that the Federal Reserve uh, will want to innovate in this area. Uh, and we want to work with them hand in hand on that innovation. Uh, I also want Congress to be uh, the driver uh, of that innovation. Uh, so we are uh, the actual policymaker and they are the actual implementer. Yeah, that's fantastic. What can people do at home to help you? I feel like you uh, are educated. You're very passionate about Bitcoin. Um, you have this uh, very unique um, but important view of financial innovation uh, and the role that the United States and the United States government can play on a global stage in terms of embracing this uh, and continuing to remain kind of that lighthouse on the hill uh, for the rest of the world. Is there something that people at home can do to either one, make your job easier uh, or two, to kind of help further your mission as you kind of continue to, uh, to operate inside the Senate with, uh, with this viewpoint? Absolutely. There, there are a lot of people around this country who know more about the nuts and bolts uh, of uh, blockchain um, and Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies than I know. Um, I have a rudimentary understanding of it, and I'm trying to uh, use that rudimentary understanding uh, to uh, educate people who even don't have that much of an understanding. Uh, so part of it is communications, and I can use, I've already mentioned that that would be helpful. Uh, the other thing is, um, uh, in, in the case of people who are, have very sophisticated expertise on this, uh, we would love to have them contact uh, our office and, and give us ideas. Uh, and finally, for people who uh, want to see this kind of innovation move forward, contact your U.S. Senator and say, hey, we understand that there's a new uh, Financial Innovations Caucus in the U.S. Senate. We encourage you to join it. Uh, we want it to be bipartisan. The, one of the fun things for me about this topic is it's it's bipartisan. It it does it crosses uh, all kinds of party lines, uh, and so we need to have the involvement uh, of Democrats, Republicans, Independents, Libertarians, uh, and everything in between, uh, so we can innovate in this area. There's. The way we have the gridlock in Washington is so intense right now that if you can find any little crack to break through the gridlock, uh, we should take advantage of it. And that's if we can innovate in one area like this that is not partisan, it doesn't wear a partisan hat, a Democrat hat or a Republican hat. And if we can innovate in an area like this, it might help us uh, break the dam and innovate in other areas too. And in, in this day and age in Washington, find anything that you can innovate on uh, is exciting because we're so set in the concrete that we can't even lift our feet anymore around here. But this is an area where that's not true. So that's another reason that I'm excited about being new to the Senate, uh, but having old friends that I serve with in the U.S. House uh, in the Senate, uh, we can talk about a topic that crosses party lines and, and uh, it, it, it gives us a chance to innovate. And that's really exciting to me. And I, I think other people will embrace the idea that, wow, here's an avenue uh, that we can just 
be Americans. We don't have to be Democrats or Republicans. We can just be Americans and use the ingenuity and innovation that America was always known for and was the world leader in. We can use that in this area. So yet another reason that I'm really excited about financial innovation. Yeah, it, you're just doing a fantastic job. So uh, from everyone else, thank you. I, I think that um, as you continue to kind of spread the, this message, and, and frankly, it's just a, a refreshing perspective on uh, on the importance of not only your job, but also uh, your colleagues. And so I think that uh, the more folks we can get to uh, to have your perspective, the better off we'll be, uh, regardless of people's political views. So, uh, so I really appreciate that. Um, we're going to send people to uh, your Twitter account, which is at SEN Loomis. Um, is there anywhere else that you would like for us to send people? Is there anywhere else we'd like? We, we here again, I have to turn to my colleagues. Our website is lummis.senate.gov. Okay, our website is lummis.senate.gov. All right, we will uh, we'll send a bunch of people over there. Hopefully, we'll break your website because there's so much traffic of everyone trying to learn about everything that you're doing. Uh, Senator Alyssa, thank you so much for your time today. Um, and, you know, as I mentioned, I think that uh, you're doing a great job. So I appreciate all the hard work, and uh, we'll have to do it again in the future. Well, it's going to be a heavy lift, Anthony. So I need you and all of the people that follow you to help out. But thank you kindly, and I look forward to visiting with you again as well.